This week on Blue 58, as we find ourselves in a waiting period in the NFL offseason, there's a bunch of little things going on, so let's talk about a bunch of things. We'll touch on exciting young players, free agency, the Packers uniforms, Aaron Rodgers getting paid back, and even how to fix kickoffs. Buckle up. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. I'm very excited to be with you here this week for episode number 76. As I mentioned up top, there's uh, there's not a lot of big stuff going on in the NFL right now. We're not, well, almost just over two weeks away from the NFL draft and free agency has pretty much died down, but still there are a few things going on. A bunch of of little things. So let's touch on those little things, a whole bunch of them at once. I've got nine topics lined up for us today. Hopefully we'll get to them all. If not, we'll save them for a future episode because some of them are evergreen as well. So let's dive right in. Tailgate tour, starting for the Packers this week. Blake Martinez, one of the players going on tour around Wisconsin, connecting with Packers fans wherever they happen to be. Prior to departing for that tour, he had some interesting remarks that I think bear a little bit of discussion. As part of the larger point, I guess, about Blake Martinez, um, he talked about the process of accountability and really being a big part of that uh, accountability structure on the Packers defense, making sure everybody's where they need to be and doing what they are supposed to do. He said Mike Pettin, the Packers' new defensive coordinator, reached out to him directly about this. Here's his quote, as reported on PackersNews.com. Quote, just his need and want of having organization throughout every single part, making sure there's no mental errors, no missed assignments, any of that. He, Pettin, was going to be strict on it. He wasn't going to let anything fly if you're a pro bowler or a rookie coming in. I think that was kind of a cool stance hearing from him and talking to him about that because that was one of my things I wanted to voice my opinion on, just making sure everyone is in the right page, in, on the right page, at the right time, and nothing is confused, end quote. The author, Michael Cohen, uses this quote as sort of an illustration of a growing sense of dissatisfaction among Packers players with the accountability structures on the Packers' defense. I don't know if I buy that, but I do think it's interesting to hear Marty in this way, particularly because it sounds like he's going to be the guy wearing the communications helmet for the Packers' defense next year. He did that a little bit as a rookie, and I think that's going to be a good move. Why exactly do we know it's going to be a good move, I think, is is pretty clear. If you look at Martinez's study habits and what he's doing to prepare for this responsibility. Here's another section from the article. At the crux of that plan, the plan to make Martinez an indispensable role on defense, is taking over the communications headset worn by Morgan Burnett, the only direct line of contact between players on the field and the defensive coordinator in the coach's box. Wearing the green dot on his helmet means Martinez will be responsible for relaying play calls from Pettin to his teammates and clarifying any pre-snap confusion. To prepare himself, Martinez said he will approach this year's organized team activities and minicamp the same way he approached his rookie season, with four to five hours of studying every night to learn the entirety of the playbook for all 11 positions. If you're a Packers fan uh, of any stripe, but especially those that like to mythologize players a little bit and talk about their study habits and their grit and their desire, I mean, this has to be music to your ears. This is something that you should be excited about if you like the Packers, just somebody willing to do whatever it takes to do his job for the team. And I think Blake Martinez is really as good of a player to be excited about as anyone on the Packers. 
He's going to play a big role on the defense next year. He's still a young guy finding his way in the league, so you can watch him grow. He performed at a high level last year when he was given more opportunities than compared to his first year. And uh, he's got some fun off the field hobbies too. He's a big video game guy. He likes to stream, just talk to people on the internet, have a good time. What's not to like about this guy? It's fun to see him growing like this, and it'll be fun to see how he performs in Mike Pettin's defense this fall. Moving right along, the Packers targeted free agent wide receiver Jordan Matthews. At least they had him in for a visit. That, I guess, would make him a bit of a target. But he will not be coming to Green Bay. He has signed instead with the New England Patriots, essentially for the league minimum. Uh, Matthews has been a productive player when healthy. Uh, He's still young and obviously very cheap. Did the Packers miss out? I don't think so. Matthews has the the hallmarks, the physical hallmarks, hallmarks at least of a guy who would be in that Jordy Nelson sort of role. He's six foot three, uh, two hundred and teens or so uh, pounds. Uh, looks like a guy who's going to play big and strong and physical on the outside, but that really hasn't been his game in the NFL. He does pretty much all of his work from the slot, so I think that makes Jordan Matthews a little bit redundant since the Packers have a guy like Randall Cobb. Yes, Jordan Matthews led the league in yardage from the slot from 2014 through 2016, but the guy right behind him was Randall Cobb. And I don't think with the addition of Jimmy Graham to the Packers offense, there are going to be a whole lot of other slot reps to go around, especially if you start sprinkling in Ty Montgomery out there as well. Matthews also doesn't give you anything on special teams. And for a guy who's going to be at most like receiver number 2A or B, um, you do need some special teams contributions from him. Ultimately, if he's only a guy worth the veterans minimum, I don't know if you're missing out on all that much by not bringing him in. Matthews said he was looking in that $4.5 million range, somewhere in there, uh, Matthews or his agent. And if he's willing to sign for close to the veterans minimum, you have to think there wasn't an overall overwhelming amount of interest in this guy. I think the Packers probably came to the same conclusion that a lot of other teams around the NFL did and said, we just don't have a specific role that this guy can play. And he's not that much of an improvement over what we've got already. We can go a different directions. I don't think the Packers missed out here. I could be wrong, but at least for right now, I think the Packers seem to have made the right call. Good though he would have been to have in Green Bay. Uniform stuff. Some interesting stuff going on with the Packers uniforms today uh, on the internet. First, some bad. Um, Hats are bad. Uh, At least the hats that the Packers who get selected in the NFL draft are going to be wearing. They are not good. Um, Every year, New Era or whoever the league's uniform or hat sponsor happens to be, releases a special draft hat uh, for these draft picks to wear. Um, This year, the Packers design has a a gray top portion, a green bill, uh, and the words Go Pack Go above the Packers logo on the front. Titletown USA written on the inside. um, I guess you would call it the sweatband of the hat. These are not good. Boy, they are not good. Um, And every year that NFL draft hats are just, they look terrible they try to do some kind of gimmick a couple years ago they tried to do a skyline feature 
um, for every NFL city. Well, the most notable feature of the Green Bay skyline is Lambeau Field, and they didn't feel like they could do that, so they did the Leo Frigo Bridge instead. Who cares? I mean, it's not like people are driving to Green Bay just to get a glimpse at this big bridge over the shallow end of Green Bay. Ugh, that that's not that exciting. This uh, may be a marginal improvement over that, but it's not much. Who wants words on a hat? Silly, silly theme. Um, especially since the sideline hats tend to look pretty good. Uh, as a kid, I always used to, to ask for one of the sideline hats for Christmas every year. That was a cool tradition. Kind of have grown out of that now. I don't wear hats as often. But these, I, I just can't. And they'll probably be really popular just despite me. I just don't understand what they were going for here. Something that is actually interesting, though, is uh, what Devontae Adams floated on his Instagram account, uh, posting a picture of a yellow jersey with green numbers, green lettering, a the traditional Packers striping, but it's a green stripe, a white stripe, and a green stripe on the sleeves. Uh are these new color rush uniforms? Probably not. They're more reminiscent of those uh, shiny gold ones that you saw in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, typically at places like Kohl's. The, I think they called them uh, stuff like fashion alternates and stuff. There was a, an era where the NFL and the NBA did all sorts of things like that. None of them were, were really terribly nice looking. But um, the Packers put together some uniforms like this uh, to sell, I guess, and uh, – I guess some people bought them. These seem like they are merchandising things for for Adams himself because you don't see any visible logos uh, from manufacturers or obviously the Packers, though the Packers don't have any logos on their uniforms. Uh, I'm guessing this is something that he's probably going to be signing and selling or signing and giving away at events that he is holding. But interesting to look at and interesting to consider as a possible color rush option. I would love to see the Packers get a little bit weird with their color rush uniforms, though I do like the white over white. That is that is fun and interesting. Um, well, maybe not fun, but at least interesting. Uh, it's not as fun as some of the other color rush uniforms around the league. Uh, and it's not as bad as some of the color rush uniforms around the league for that matter. But I would like to see something like yellow over yellow just for the uniqueness factor of it. It would look bad. Uh, there's no two ways about that. It would look very, very bad. Um, but it would at least be be interesting and probably more interesting than white over white. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. Um, you can just find it. Just Google Devontae Adams uniform and it'll probably come up someplace. Got an interesting question. I believe this is from Germany. And I know you're a listener to Blue 58 and I appreciate you, you writing in. Um, I have to say that up front because I'm about to butcher your name. I took four years of Spanish in high school uh, because we did not offer German. They stopped offering German just before I got to high school. I probably would have taken that instead. I'd say that all to say be, uh, that George or Jorg or we'll just call you Mr. Haberlin. I apologize for saying your name so silly, but I do appreciate it because I like your question and uh, we're going to dive into it here. We talked a little bit ago, a little while ago, weeks ago probably, uh, about Aaron Rodgers and his contract situation as, as part of the ongoing discussions and, and questions the Packers are going to have to address as they continue to go through this offseason. Mr. Haberlin writes in with his suggestion, um, and I'm going to read you part of his email here. Uh, here we go. So here's my idea in regards to Rodgers' contract. 
he, Rodgers, could ask for a Tom Brady-like deal, let's say $22 to $25 million a year, but they could guarantee him a say in future player acquisitions because that obviously is what he wants. And yes, it would be part of his money they spend. Of course, this would give him much more power, which is not necessarily desired by everyone, especially the coaching staff. But let's be honest, who is the most powerful person on the whole Packers organization? In my opinion, it's Aaron Rodgers. And here's why. The Green Bay Packers wouldn't go down without Aaron Rodgers, at least as an, as an organization, I'm assuming he's, he's saying. But they also wouldn't go down without Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, or any other person in the organization either. The Green Bay Packers are American football, and it all ends on the gridiron. No game, no Packers. It's the core of everything. And who is the most powerful person once the game starts? For me, it's Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's one lesson we learned this last season. Now, before we get too far here, I say that this probably isn't going to happen. I don't know if there is a way the Packers could actually give Aaron Rodgers any real power in the organization. But for the sake of discussion, let's get a little bit weird here uh, and just and talk about this like this is a thing that could actually happen. A couple of things that we know. Aaron Rodgers has been not happy with a couple decisions the Packers have made this offseason. First, Alex Van Pelt was allowed to leave. Uh, he has been longtime friends uh, with Mr. Van Pelt as he has worked his way up through the Packers organization, Rodgers that is, and he liked what he did for the Packers. And uh, I don't know if Rodgers wanted him to have a bigger role or stay with the Packers in the same role or whatever, but he was not happy that he was not consulted about the move. He was also not happy that was let go. And for all the reasons that we've discussed before, that was probably the right move for the Packers, even if he could contribute at 50% of the level he was in the first six games of the of last season. Setting aside the, the idea that NFL teams are not beholden to their players in the same way that, say, the Cleveland Cavaliers are beholden to LeBron James, it would be interesting to see a situation worked out like this where the Packers could give Aaron Rodgers some sort of meaningful power. I'm not sure what that power would look like. Would they consult him on free agent acquisitions or or what have you? I don't know. Um, he seems pretty excited about Jimmy Graham, so maybe they consulted him about that. But it would be interesting to see if there was some way of uh, making Aaron Rodgers, giving him a little bit of additional value. Now, there are a couple problems with this besides the obvious ones of um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, running a football team, having having one of your players make personnel decisions first, uh, the players' union is staunchly opposed to things like this. Um, it is in the best interest of all the players in the union um, to get as much money as they possibly can because it strengthens the bargaining position of all the other players in the NFL's player association, the NFL player association, the union. Uh, they will not accept alternative forms of compensation because you can't use that as as comparable bargaining chips throughout the league. Um, you can't set as a ceiling um, some kind of actual power within a team. The other problem is when you start using Tom Brady as a comparison point, things fall apart really quickly. There's a there's a couple reasons that Tom Brady gets compensated the way that he does. Uh, you, it's a it's a cliche to say that NFL and professional athletes and whatever don't need the money. They everybody you know within your sphere of influence within the circles that you run in things things are relative okay so the amount of money that you make 
relative to other NFL players is a lot more important for your comparisons than the, the amount of money that you make compared to just the average Joe. So, yes, in in a in sense, they but compared to their peers, they would all like to make more money. Um, Tom Brady is not a good comparison for that because he has consistently taken less money. But I don't think it's for the reasons that everyone likes to say that they are. Brady is not taking less money because he wants to help the Patriots become uh, a just a better football team. That may be part of it, but he is taking less money literally in this sense, not on a relative scale, but literally because he does not m- need the money. His wife makes vastly, vastly more money than he does in a single year. Any money Tom Brady makes as an NFL player is just a bonus for the Brady slash Bunchen family. It's a great deal, I guess, if you can get that. Um, but Brady, as a result, literally does not need the money from his playing career. It puts him in a very unique situation among NFL players. Secondly, and gosh, if I'm not going to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but there has been a long-running conspiracy that Brady has some sort of reciprocity deal with Robert Kraft. Uh, about getting some sort of compensation on the back end of his NFL career for taking these below market deals for essentially the duration of his NFL career. There is very little firm evidence to corroborate that, but if you're going to go into conspiracy theory mode, evidence is just some, uh, you know, kind of a, a trifling thing anyway. So if you believe that that is at least at least partly a, a possibility that he gets some sort of ownership stake or something in the future from the Patriots, or you believe the actual facts that Brady doesn't need the money from his playing career, which we know to be more or less completely true, that makes him a bad comparison point. But I, I'm very interested to see if the Packers can make something like this work, just because, again, it would be interesting. And I don't know if uh, we're ever going to see anything like it. I might my belief is that the Packers are probably going to announce a deal with Rodgers here within the next month or two just so they can get their books straightened out and not have to to keep worrying about how he's going to fit into them uh, and instead just work on fitting everyone around him. But um, it still is interesting. Sticking with the Aaron Rodgers theme, uh, I have to apologize to a reader slash listener by the name of Greg Cook because he asked a question all the way back in episode 67 uh, he left a comment at thepowersweep.com, which you can and should do. Um, but he asked a question, and I have never been able to address it. I forgot to to respond to the comment as it was written, so I'll respond to it now. Uh, Greg asks, um, we talked, we spent that 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 episode answering seven questions on quarterback, and Greg points out that I left one big question: what now? And I'll read from his comments, continuing on. Uh, do we take a QB in the first round, maybe even look to trade up as we have so many picks this year, or do we look to bring in a lower round developmental project and then potentially be caught out again? Mind you, when you see how far other teams have gotten with their backups, maybe we need uh, to sort the defense out first. I wouldn't mind bringing in Deshaun Kaiser, who probably needs just more time, uh, just probably just needs more time as I expect Cleveland may get another QB. So first and foremost, Greg, great call on Deshaun Kaiser because that ended up being exactly what happened. So kudos to you. Round of applause for Greg. If you're listening to this podcast, please take a couple seconds right now and and applaud Greg. Thank you. That was great audience participation, all of you. Uh, Secondly, 
even with the acquisition of Deshaun Kaiser, I would not at all be surprised to see the Packers take some kind of developmental prospect at quarterback and try to you know, coach them up a little bit. I think Brett Hundley ought to be polishing his resume, as I said a couple weeks ago after the Kaiser deal, and preparing for a change in his uh, career trajectory, uh, probably out of Green Bay, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, whatever form that takes, either he's got or traded, I don't know, but I think Hundley has been given notice with this trade for, for Kaiser. Um. I think even a low-round developmental quarterback uh, might be a little bit late. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone in the even something like the third or the fourth round. Um, who knows uh, when the quarterbacks start going off the draft board, but we do know something for sure. The draft class for quarterbacks next year is pretty weak, and it doesn't look much better the year after that. If the Packers are looking for a developmental prospect, this may be the year to get one. And you do have to start looking to this sooner rather than later. Aaron Rodgers turns 35 in December, and yes, he says he wants to play until he's 40, but really, once you hit that age 35 plateau, it's a coin flip as to whether or not your skills are going to decline or not each and every year. read a great article uh, to this, this effect, and we get kind of a biased opinion towards how long quarterbacks can play just due to the plain fact that some of them play a really long time. But that's survivor bias. We're, we're judging the quarterbacks as a whole by just the few that manage to get that far. In reality, most players don't manage to play into their late 40s at a high level. And once you hit that age 35 plateau, you've pretty much got a 50% shot year in or year out at being at least as good as you were the year before. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to see a precipitous decline like that, but he is also coming off a severe injury to his throwing arm. He is turning 35 in December. Father time is undefeated, uh, and the decline is going to come for Aaron Rodgers sooner or later. The Packers do have to start preparing for that. Good question, Greg. Thank you for asking it. I'm sorry that we went more than two months without me responding, but that has been rectified now. Another question from a reader, uh, this one on a a little bit more um, practical issue, one that is probably going to be addressed yet this year or or may change yet this year. Um, Kickoffs. Gray Wing, a listener from across the pond, uh, sends in a proposal following the words of of Mark Murphy at the NFL owners meetings. Uh, He has this proposal pronged attack for teams. Two possibilities when you're getting ready to kick off the ball. And let's read from Mr. Wing's proposal right now. The kickoff team can either first give the opposition a touchback without kicking the ball. It's a bit of an a bit of an anticlimactic start to a game unless they have a ceremonial non-returnable kick that's booted straight out of the end zone with the ball being signed by head coaches, quarterbacks, captains, so on, an auction to bid the salute to service or something like that. I think that's a pretty cool idea. Or uh, the teams could declare a returnable kick. This keeps the option for tactical kickoffs such as onsides or squibs. Here it gets a little bit complicated. The teams take a normal kickoff, although uh, to risk the risk to kicking teams and to steer them away from declaring a returnable kick willy-nilly is that if the ball lands or is caught or touched without bouncing anywhere from the 10-yard line through the back of the end zone, the receiving team starts on their 40-yard line. Basically, 
if uh, you say that you're going to do one of these ca- tactical kicks and kick it deep anyway, then you get penalized for that, and they just get the ball on the 40-yard line. Uh, the receiving teams couldn't just balk up and let and try to let a squib roll to the 10-yard line, either for a penalty touchback as the ball would have to land within that area. This should, should stop any shenanigans out there. He goes on to say how this would probably make the game safer. I don't want to respond to, to this suggestion uh, on its merits. Other than that, I, I think it's pretty good and interesting. I am open to any suggestion about kickoffs, uh, however wild they could be, because I do think this is an endangered part of the game. It's probably going away, and for the vast majority of kickoffs, you're not going to have anything interesting happen anyway. Instead of responding to the individual things within this proposal, let me throw another one at you. This one is even a little bit weirder. This one was floated by a former Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach and former Rutgers coach, um, and very briefly uh, considered for the Tennessee coach coaching job. I think he ended up not getting that. I don't really know. If you're yelling at me that he did right now, thank you for that correction. Uh, Greg Schiano, uh, he put together an interesting proposal about kickoff. And I will read that uh, that proposal as summarized by the website Bucks Nation, the SB Nation affiliate for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here we go. Uh, here's what we see in Chiano's proposal. Uh, you would replace a kickoff with a fourth and 15 from the kicking team's 30-yard line. A team could then run any play they wanted to run. They could go for it. Go for it. They could punt the ball. They could run a fake punt. Anything that's legal on a regular down would be legal. So what this does is it basically just puts you in a do-or-die situation where most teams would probably choose to punt anyway. And the reason that you want to have punts instead of kickoffs is because you end up with fewer guys running full-on, head-on, right into each other, causing those enormous collisions that lead to concussions and other injuries. Punts have a much lower incidence of those kind of injuries than kickoffs. So Shiano wants to make kickoffs essentially into punts. But you're asking, what about things like onside kicks? Well, Shiano's proposal is actually pretty well-reasoned in that regard, uh, as the Bucks Nation article points out. He said, They say here, so what about onside kicks? Well, those aren't all that exciting to begin with, as they're recovered just 19.7% of the time since 2000, according to Pro Football Reference. They're a largely random desperation play. Amusingly, though, 4th and 15 may be a little bit too far, Those sorts of plays are converted just 22.6% of the time overall. Add some fake punts and the odds of recovering on offense, though, suddenly grow. So you're you're not really losing all that much from a tactical perspective by just having this this thing under the Shiano proposal. It's interesting. It's weird. It's kind of fun. And it could be an interesting way to keep things like kickoffs happening uh, without eliminating them all entirely. What I don't want to have in this kickoff situation is where a team scores, they kick the extra point, and the other team is just given the ball at the 25-yard line. Automatic touchback, no drama at all. That would be just boring. I think, at least. It would be safe for that, for whatever that's worth, which apparently is a lot because that's all we've talked about in the NFL over the last couple of years, making things as safe as they can possibly be. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about here. We're not going to get to everything that uh, that I had laid out, but I want to mention really quickly an, a very, very good article that Gary had uh, at thepowersweep.com uh, about uh, Don Hudson 
getting paid and how they had to work out uh, a secret system for getting him paid in Green Bay because he was making so much money that people in Green Bay would feel bad if they knew exactly how much he was making and it could result in some bad press for the team. I won't spoil it all exactly, uh, but I will point out that Don Hudson said that during his 10-year professional career, the most he ever made for a single season was $25,000. And I know that's in 1940s money, but still, that's not a whole lot of scratch for a guy that it was as good as Hudson was. While I've got you here, I need to say thank you to each and every one of our readers and listeners again. I know things have been a little bit wonky on the website. You may not have have seen it because we had a great week of content last week, but uh, behind the scenes, things have not been um, as smooth as they could possibly be, and that's been completely my, I don't want to say fault, but that's been completely because of me. Uh, As you know, we're in the midst of moving. we, we have moved, but we are living for the time being uh, with my wife's parents, which is, is great because it's a free place to live while we look for a house, but it also throws a little bit of your personal life into chaos, as you could imagine. I have also been in the process of of first searching for and starting a brand new job, um, so that has thrown some things behind the scenes into a little bit of chaos as well. So uh, many, many thanks for your patience uh, as we do some stuff at the Power Sweep that is, that is just part of life. Again, neither Gary and I do this full-time, though we would love to, we don't. We're a billionaire investor looking to just seed a, a whole bunch of money into a uh, sports media startup. Please reach out to me because then I could do this full-time and that would be a whole lot of fun. If you're just one of the many people who just listens and and reads our stuff for free uh, or who supports us on Patreon and you're not one of those independently wealthy billionaires, we appreciate you even more so. Um, It's been fun. I've gotten a lot of of great emails from listeners and readers uh, lately, and that's been a, a huge boost to me. Um, because though things are going great, as I, as I said, I got a new job, got a place to live and, and all that. Uh, it is a little bit stressful and it's fun to, ha- to have a little bit of a distraction now and then. So uh, never hesitate to reach out. Uh, we, we are grateful for your support uh, in things like emails and, and social media messages and things like that. And, and they do mean a lot to me personally, uh, as does your support on places like, uh, like Patreon and, and via Teespring. So thank you very much for that. And uh, we're very excited to get to the NFL draft and, and start talking about really in earnest the, the 2018 Green Bay Packers. That's all I've got for you this week. You can find us, as you always do, at thepowersweep.com or reach out to us via Facebook, Twitter, and email. Our email address is thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, the freest, easiest, and quickest way to do that is uh, with a review on iTunes. If you want, uh, just drop your thoughts uh, into the comment box there, and we will see them, and we appreciate it very much. You can also support us financially via Patreon. That's a, a quick, easy way to give us just the low, low amount of $1 per month. Uh, we appreciate that very much, and, and our list of supporters is growing, so, so thank you for to those of you who have chosen to support us that way. If you want to support us and look good as you do it, we suggest buying a t-shirt at teespring.com. Click the store link at thepowersuite.com to find our full selection uh, of t-shirts and sweatshirts and long-sleeve t-shirts and, and all the stuff that goes along with that. We do love to hear from you. Any feedback you give me, Uh, helps us make this entire operation better and helps us all become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I am John Meerdink. We will see you next week on Blue 58.